Wake the Bear Radio with your host, Brandon Johnson, Chris Hurst, and Ron Powers. Oh, welcome. Yeah. Going to be a great night tonight. Yes, time to wake the bear. The bear is California, although we cover world events, and uh, we are a world-class outfit here. Amen. Yes, amen. So it's going to be a good night. I'm looking forward yeah, we to the got, topics. Uh, I like our topic for tonight. At least I like our title. Uh, keep calm and be ready for anything. Yeah. That's right. Yes. And anything can happen. It is, I mean, it's exponential what's going on. But before we get into all the topics of the hour and of the day and of the week, uh, how was uh, the movie? I was out of town, oh, yeah. so I could not go with you guys, but uh, you hosted uh, Police State. We did. So Chris, tell us a little bit about, about how State? it was, how it was received. Uh, we had a blast. It was a community of patriots and uh, people who really wanted to understand what is going on in our nation. And so we watched um, D'Souza's uh, newest movie police state that came out what about two months ago and it was startling it was disturbing but we all talked about how it was important to keep our our hope high because uh, this hasn't been um, just starting to happen it's been going on for a whole lot longer than most of us have been aware so it was basically how um, the government is weaponized against the citizens of America. And they actually had some uh, also talking about global weaponization of governments. But I was um, uncomfortable with uh, several parts just because it was heartbreaking, but it was a good reminder that there are people that are right now currently serving time that have not been uh, properly Uh, indicted, have not been uh, given their constitutional rights, the J6ers, um, but also there are many that are under the the fear of being arrested. Even this week, I was reading there are are many uh, J6ers that are still getting threats and getting investigated. Yeah, Dinesh D'Souza, Dan Bongino produced this film, or Dinesh was in it, Dinesh produced it. Yeah, it was a fantastic film. It, what I really came out to me was that um, the, the weaponization of our, our the structures of government against political uh, you know, political enemies. And this started with Obama and probably way before that. But it just really came into fruition. And what, what, what really stuck out was is that the, the process is the punishment. And, I, you know, there was an emphasis on J6. Um, J6ers are there. They're now going on three years. They've been mm. in jail. Many of them are in uh, isolation, and they have not been given a speedy trial, which is a, a bill of on the Bill of Rights. And the reason they weren't given a speedy trial is because they told them that well, we can take the evidence that we have right now and give you a speedy trial, but, but that evidence is sealed, so we can't actually use it in court. Or you can wait until it becomes unsealed and then have all the evidence. So, in other words, because it's a federal investigation. We can't let you use the exculpatory evidence in your trial. So you have to wait to get a speedy trial. So they figured a way to jump around all this. <clears throat> Police state addresses some of that. Uh, not all of it, but it's, you know, we had Jake Lang on this show and he basically explained that to all, to all of us. We've had him on twice who's still in jail now. And uh, this is uh this is a, 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 a horrible 
thing that's happening in our country. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, before the end of the year, I know there's a lot of things uh, people can uh, give to. And uh, I know Jake Lang does have, and, and a lot of other J6ers do have, um, you know, they've set up some support structures, GoFundMes and some nonprofits and things. So uh, before the end of the, the month, uh, those that are looking to, to give, uh, maybe to support some of these people, some of these people have lost their homes because they haven't been able to work mm-hmm. and they have legal fees and all kinds of horrific things just for being patriotic and just being uh, brave enough to stand up to injustice when they saw the election stolen and they just wanted to, uh, you know, constitutionally uh, speak up and they used their constitutional rights. And then they got uh, heavily, heavily uh, abused because of that. So uh, think of them. Uh, That's one of the things I plan on doing before the end of the year, making a donation, um, you know, so. Just, just. Yeah, we are in. A, we are in a war, and there's casualties to war. So, and it's a, it's a different type of war. It's fifth generational warfare, and but it's it's a war against the, the deep state who is who has infiltrated yeah. our government, and they are they're not good people. There's a lot of good people in our government, but there's a lot of bad. So, well, I'm glad you woke up, uh, or at least encouraged more patriot-minded folks in our community, and that's what we all can do. You know, not everyone has a show, or not everyone. Um, has a place of influence on television or whatever it is, but uh, you know, gathering local community um, is is just as powerful. Grassroots, and uh, hey, you know, on a on a very bright uh, topic, uh, your background. I noticed you have a new background. I like it. It looks oh, yeah, really like cool. That? Yeah, tell us a little bit about it, or where you got it, uh, or what. That's a painting I started um, as the backdrop. I did actually didn't start the painting for my book, but I'm like, I think I'm going to use this painting as the backdrop for my book, Re-America. I'm actually writing a book about the foundation of our of America, how um, it was a Christian foundation. The land was dedicated to the Lord when the pilgrims first came over. And um, one of the main the points about the book is that you cannot actually pass on uh, values and uh, laws and traditions to um, to your children uh, unless you tell them the story of the founding of America. You actually cannot be American without sharing the stories of America, which unify all of us, no matter what your race, creed, color, background is. Um, Anybody who comes to America instantly becomes an American. It's almost like a picture of heaven. You know, anybody can get in as long Mm -hmm. as they subscribe, subscribe to the, the values of our country and its founding. So, What's happening is is there's a strategic attempt to um, stop people from knowing what happened and then the, the founding of America, the Christian founding of America. So really, you have to retell the story, and that's how you re-America. Mm-hmm. Is you retell the stories, you tell them, you know, what what it took to actually what people sacrificed to make America. And 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 one little caveat, and I've talked about this before, you know, really it was the Christian pastors that were the founding fathers of of America the the uh, framers wrote down what the founding fathers preached mm-hmm. from the pulpits and so there's not you know there's the scholars say there's not one right that's attributed to the founding documents that wasn't first preached from the pulpits of the colonial churches so that's good that's my main thesis and i think you know there, i've used plenty of stories to talk about that and how it but you have to use story because if you look at like the exodus uh, the people of israel came out of egypt and 
God gave them their their law and their traditions through that struggle of them becoming going from being slaves to being free. And I think that's a, that's a really powerful story that shows that then he gives them the law and their traditions. And it all comes out of the story. It comes out of the relationship with God. And so you have to do the same with America. And it's interesting that you know, Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin both wanted um, the uh, the seal for America to be a picture of the Egyptian army drowning in the Red Sea with the fire. <laughs> above and the pillar of of smoke above of god's presence above it and the, the sea opening up and the people went through and then wiping out the egyptians and uh it's interesting they wanted the motto to be um rebellion to tyrants is obedience to god and uh that was that's what they wanted their the motto to be so the, the, how many people have ever heard of that before like it's not being taught in our schools right. And so we're not ready for, you know, all of the corruption of the police state and the deep state because we don't know how to fight back. And so what do we get? How do we fight back? We re-America. We teach Americans how to be America, Americans mm. again. So that's what yeah. my book's about. Yeah, love I love it. I can't I wait. Love, I can't wait either. And I'm so we're so proud of you, Brandon, that you are going hard after this. I loved what you said about, you know, Americans. Um that's how we identify a real American. Um, I was listening to an interview on um, Oprah. It was just a, a little bit of a soundbite. And she was interviewing an African-American woman, which what Oprah described. Uh, and she was talking about her being African-American. And the, the lady she was interviewing said, you know, that's not how I identify uh, I don't even know what country in Africa I came from. And my family has been in America for generations. I come from Louisiana. I identify as an American woman. And you could hear this like mm. in drop from Oprah as she's going, well, I don't know what I think about this. And and she said, are you sure that's what you want to say? And, and she said, I identify as an American woman. And I am proud of that. That is my primary identification. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, you know, there's a lot of things that have happened this week, you know, just as uh, to wow. keep up with our title, you know, be, be calm and be ready for anything. Well, a lot of things have happened just in the last week. Uh, so let's dive in. And, and what are some of the big stories that, uh, that you, you know, ran across? I know I ran across several. And so well, one, um, one of the things that Chris mentioned before we got started was that she feels a shift in her spirit. Like, and I agree. I think there's a shift mm -hmm. happening. I feel like that we have been on uh, defense for a long time. And I see the body of Christ. I see the whole nation shifting to offense. Like it's time to play offense. It's no longer time to be on the defensive. And, you know, we have 333 days left till the uh, election, right? Is that what it was, Chris? Mm -hmm. 333 yep. days you mentioned. Yeah. So we got... It's a, I, I, what I perceive is this, that the deep state is going to try to pull out anything they can between now and that time. And they're going to lose. Yeah. They're going to lose. They know it, but they, mm -hmm. but, but, and they know they're losing and that's why they're, their desperation might, they might pull out all that they got. So we need to be ready for anything. I would say, Would wouldn't you agree? I do. I agree. I know one of the things that I wasn't ready for is when I was uh, just, paying attention to the news was um, what was uh, this man and the difference that uh, has happened to the Senator um, Fetterman. 
as as man. we know when when he's senator of uh Pennsylvania, John Fetterman, when he got in, he could not literally put language together and he was using um, computers and having to uh, read what people were saying. He couldn't speak without help. And uh, he had had a, um, a stroke and he went through some rehab. Well, I, th- I heard him about three months ago and he sounded the same. And then I heard him uh, just this uh, past week, and this is the the picture of the interview. He was speaking in full sentences, coherent, and his political um, agenda seemed to have gone from the left to the right. He was talking about um, uh, that he was anti-Hamas, and he had all the pictures of the the refu- the the kidnapped ones in um, Gaza uh, in his office. He was talking about building the wall and how important that was. And he was looking straight into the camera and he was following the conversation. And I, my jaw dropped. I thought anything can happen. This guy is a new man. Either wow. he is not the same person or he has had a miracle. And so I don't honestly know which is true. He looks a little bit different, but I mean, after a stroke, some of that could be rehab too. Um, but his, his language was, it, it was excellent and he was sharp. He's still out on his hoodie, but uh, you know, if he's, if he's a replacement, that's an easy uniform to wear. So that, that was a shocker to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, I, I think I saw Charlie Kirk mentioned that he just said, uh, you know, whatever drugs are given it to keep giving it to him. <laughs> it's like, and, yeah, you can understand what he says now. Maybe we could give yeah. them to Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the same drugs. in that, that, uh, yeah. that post. You should give some to uh, Joe Biden. Uh, I could use some of that. That would be a uh, pretty good, you know, and he's clear. a senator. So, I mean, he's a powerful man and uh, many people try to get him. Uh, to step down because at in the beginning he obviously was not able to do his job, and he was MIA well, he, most of the time. And and you know we want to be really careful here. He's not our enemy. Like nobody no. on the other side of the aisle is really our enemy. The enemy is Satan, and he has an agenda he's pushing. And really, we're so called to pray for our our leaders, even if they're, you know, with diametrically opposed works, Paul says, pray for those in power. So, uh, and and someone come up to me on on our show the other night and they said, Hey, you know, we also need to be praying for these people that are in power that are are doing eval. And I said, yeah, we should pray that they repent, that that, that they turn their life over to the Lord, that they, that they either confess and repent and move on or, you know, or God takes them out. But we, we want grace too. We want grace for everybody because we've been given grace. You know, none of us are righteous. No, not one. The Bible says all of us have fallen short of God's glory now, but now there's some people that have like that. They've like literally done pure evil stuff and they need to be, they need to be held accountable for those consequences to that. But I'm just, you know, I want to just make sure that people understand that we're not, people are not our enemy. No, God is, God is the King and Satan is the enemy. That's the real battle going on. You know, that's so so funny. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, that's so funny. You say that because there was an interview, uh, this week, um, with Charlie Kirk and Alex Jones, who is now back on, uh, X and he actually 
closes the interview with this statement. I just want to share it uh, real quick because he, it was just what you're saying, Brandon, uh, right here. I have it queued up. Alex, final question. What do we have to be aware of? The threats that we have not identified that they're going to launch in 24 and what can we do about it? My big fear is Trump in leg irons at Mar-a-Lago Labor Day not able to campaign because he's under multiple federal indictments where they literally suffocate his campaign with federal marshals having him on house arrest. And then they stage terror attacks and claim that we did it because we support Trump. None of us are for offensive violence. If they do that, we cannot be in violent, even throwing a piece of garbage on the ground or, or leaving our sign a protest. We've got to be ever watchful like January 6th of being set up. I walked right into that trap. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on us. Uh, and we need to be worried about them doing a cyber attack that they blame on patriots working with Russia. They've already floated that at the FBI. So that, that's one I've be worried too. about them accelerating. That's a big one. I've heard that. Yep. They're going to. Oh, they're already pre-programming. You can see it in the news. They're already getting people ready. Uh, they could uh, release a new virus. Uh, that's definitely uh, in the cards. They're saying that's going to happen. Uh, they could have a stock market crash. I mean, th they could do anything. But they're signaling right now that they're looking to go to full war with Russia. That's why I started the interview with that. Uh, you just tell everybody, hey, we can celebrate that Alex Jones is back at Real Alex Jones on Twitter. Please follow me there. I hope you'll come on my show, Charlie. Everything we're doing right now is mega viral. But at the end of the day, people need to recognize the intense danger we're in. And I think the most important thing is pray to God. King David said, seek God, uh, repent, get to that quiet place, the most high, and just ask the Holy Spirit, ask God, lead God to direct us to be the men and women we can to, to save the planet and save humanity now. And, and, and also pray that God touch people's hearts like Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. And I believe that some of the most evil people out there that aren't yeah. fully conscious, but have been serving the system, they're going to end up having that moment and joining us. And, and, and so it's not just going to be, say he's an opportunist, I'm not saying that, or people like Musk that are going to join us out of just necessity. He says, I want a pro-human future. They're going to wreck society. Yep. Once you sh shut down the industries, you can't turn them back on very easily. They could create a extinction event by what the leftists are doing. He said that yesterday with me. So, so, so we need to have survival instinct turned back on and have the elites realize they're going to destroy themselves on this path. They need to join us. Alex Jones, everybody. God bless. Yeah, so I just uh, thought that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. you know, just pray for those who, um, you know, that may be on the other side, but pray for them because they, they can turn over. And uh, it was just what you were saying, Brandon. Well, and, you know, my, I, my mom actually posted on, when I was posting on tonight's show, my mom actually posted and said, hey, I heard that uh, Elon Musk let Alex Jones back on. I heard, I thought he was a quack, but he's actually, what I hear, he's a really good guy. And I go, yeah, I mean, he's eccentric. Come on, like anybody who mm -hmm. does anything in the world is obviously often a little bit eccentric, but he's not a quack. Uh, Actually, people are now saying he is probably a prophet um, in, in, a, in, on, in a tongue in cheek sort of way, because what Alex Jones has been saying for 20 years, OK, we're talking 20 mm -hmm. years is now actually being revealed. So Alex Jones. So they hated him. They 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 took him off of all social media in five minutes in one day. Yeah, Why? because yeah. he was actually people started to say he's actually giving us the the blueprint of what he had been giving it to him for 20 years. I mean, this is a guy that exposed the people going out into the, into the forest, you know, the presidents and multiple presidents from both sides at the same night being out on a, 
and a sleepover oh, you mean Grove. The doing satanic r- rituals. Yeah, he went out yep. and proved it was real. What's it called? Bohemian, Bohemian Grove. Grove. Yeah, the yeah, Bohemian Grove. And most people haven't County. checked that out. He, he's been talking about 9-11 and what's, what, how, how it was an inside job since the beginning. I, I, I didn't think that there was anything inside job until four years ago when someone said, look at the evidence. And then I started looking at the evidence and went, what I thought could not be true, you know, after what I saw happen with COVID, it opened my eyes and I had to repent and say, man, I, I just wrote off these people because the corporate media told me I should that I shouldn't listen to them. And so anyways, uh, it's interesting that Alex Jones's lawyer or lawyer in one of the court cases said he's a mad prophet, you know, like a George Orwell, you know? So, uh, and I, I would have to agree with that. I, I think that, you know, he's not right about everything, but who is right. Right. But there's like yeah. 90, 95% of the stuff he said is actually proven to be true. Coming, coming to pass. Yeah. Well, Charlie Kirk said, you know, I never said he's never been uh, crazy. He's just early. <laughs> yeah. You know, he was just too early or early. early. So I thought, yeah, yeah I would have added two things to that. Um, biggest threats in 24. Uh, they're, they're still, they've been weaving this alien um, narrative. So we might see uh, little gray people or little green people or, or more of the, uh, the alien sighting stories and there's been talk about um a volcano in in yosemite that uh could possibly erupt and cause a a large um um regional disaster in that area a little bit of chaos and i also think some of the infrastructure uh, going down is also a huge threat in 2024. So I would have, I would have put infrastructure that, um, that kind of the cybersecurity infrastructure portion of what could attack America as part of the biggest threats in 24. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're definitely talking about that. Yeah. I mean, not only that, but they made a movie about it. Like literally, Michelle Obama and the Obamas were the co-producers of this movie coming out called leave the world behind that Julia Roberts is in. And it's all about like end time scenarios and grid downs and attack and the end of America and all kinds of just to create fear, cyber attack, like all mm-hmm. the, and, and I just think, you know, you know, I think that it's some sort of prescriptive programming. So once we're in fear mode, they can then now tell us this is what, who was really responsible. It's all those, you know, terror, you know, those Americans that love America that are all with those domestic terrorists, you know, then they can target certain people and say it's their fault because when people in fear, in fear mode, and then you've got the media lying media telling them what, who's the bad guy. That's the problem is we've allowed the media, the mainstream media to tell us who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. Well, that's all falling apart right now. Like Mm -hmm. we're starting to see a balance of media so that you get to decide for yourself who the good guy and the bad guy is. And uh, it's a lot different than we've been brainwashed to think. Well, and we know it's really not black and white, is it? We saw that with uh, um, uh, Kevin McCarthy, I think, when he announced this week that last week that he was leaving Congress at the end of this month, which is probably sooner that than that, because I believe that they're going to um, they're going to meet this week and then they're going to break uh, for the last two weeks of the year. So 
I mean, that's a gray area. Here's a, um, a fellow who was just Speaker of the House who said, I will never quit. I'm not a quitter. I'm the family. Um, my father was a, a Bakersfield firefighter and um, we don't quit and I won't quit on the American people. And then uh, last week he says, well, I'm going to quit in December at the end of December. <laughs> so, I, I mean, that's uh, it. When we talk white and black hat, it's like, wh which hat is he wearing? I don't know. Um, but uh, I've got to say, don't let the door hit you on the way out because, uh, you know, quitters are not what we need right now. And as a result of him going, uh, there are some some effects because uh, although we have the majority right now, uh, we had um, we had 222 seats uh, just like 10 days ago. And then remember that uh, George Santos got kicked out for for his little shenanigans of mm -hmm. um, of using insider trading and those types of things, dishonest deals. So that got us down to um, out of the I, I'm sorry, out of the 222, we had 113. Uh, right now, I think we're at uh, 112. So we wow. only have an eight seat majority um, wow. at when he leaves. And you have to have 218 votes in order to get a majority in the House when you pass something. Mm. And so we are um, bare bones. Yeah, we are bare bones. It, it, I mean, I'm sorry, it's 20, 222 Republican seats to 113 is what the Dems have. So we're going mm -hmm. down to 221. And uh, so we're only like three votes away from being able to get uh, a majority. And a lot of those votes in the Republican Party, they are um, they're not hard rights at all. You know, they are multiple or are moderates. And so this is wow. going to be a challenge when we look for the the uh, Biden impeachment that they're possibly going to bring up very soon to try and do by April. So we'll see. Yeah. Kevin McCarthy, um, he's he's leaving town and he's abandoning his party, his constituents. And he's still he, he said he would serve for two years and he's leaving a year early. Chris, well, do, you think that, do, do you think that there's a. Um, a backdoor deal going on here where the Democrats are trying to get some of them blown out. So they lose their majority. I mean, do you think that's the strategy that's going on behind the scenes? I, I don't know. It's not like they have a lot to vote on right now. And I'm not so sure that this whole impeachment thing is, is that important. We have a year left and I think we should be uh, focusing on a lot of other things. I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, Brandon, I don't have a strong thought, but I'm not really too concerned about Kevin leaving um, just because the votes that we have, uh, we're not we're not getting a lot done right now. Yeah, yeah I, I I I've heard somebody right. I've heard people say that they think that maybe it's an attempt to make sure that he do, that Trump doesn't when Trump gets back in, he doesn't have a majority in Congress to work with. And, and so there so some of the rhinos are willingly sabotaging their careers to to um to kind of to cut undercut trump and literally if you are guilty of major crimes which many of them are according to some sources 
you'll probably do anything you can to not be exposed. So anyways, that's that I think I I suspect that that may be going on. I don't know for sure either. So um, anyways, I didn't see it it coming. I don't know if any of you did, but it was um, one of those definitely be ready for anything. So it'll be interesting to see if anybody else leaves someone uh, as they see kind of that there is a dismantling of some of the old um, institutionalized embedded people. Yeah. Well, the worst comes to worst. If there's no majority um, between now and 2024, uh, not, you know, not a lot is going to happen, but in 2024, You've got a lot of uh, re- representatives and senators. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a red wave. It's not just the president that's being voted for. And so I believe they will get the majority for sure when it really counts. And so, you know, Matt Gates really called out uh, McCarthy's number. Uh, he, he said, I'm, I'm just going to read this. He says, this is not an act of patriotism. He's talking about McCarthy saying, I'm going to leave. Uh, and he said, this is not an act of patriotism. We're moving on to the next fight. This is an act of abject selfishness. And so he said that he said, you know, if he can't run the place and be speaker, then he'll leave. And then he goes on to say, you know, at least Nancy Pelosi, for all her flaws, uh, and there were many, says at least she stood stuck around. She didn't hurt her team by saying, well, if I can't be the quarterback, I'm just going to take the ball and go home. Yeah. So I thought that was really good uh, having him call call out McCarthy, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like that. So. Yeah, because people that, will remember. He'll they'll remember he quit. Yep. So. He quit. And he was a, a true um um career politician. If I can't be the top dog and I can't run the show, then I'm gonna quit. It's not how I'd like to represent. You know, I think you had texted me last week about this, and I'm like, man, that seems so selfish of him. He's a career politician. So to see Matt Gates call him out for that, mm-hmm. I think it's perfect. In fact, that gives Matt Gates more credibility for yeah. what he did. Cause he said, Hey, you, you're, you're a career politician. You know, you, you're a rhino. You didn't keep your promises. He's out. And then what's he do? He, you know, he acts like a child and says, I'm leaving. And so I think it gives Matt Gates a lot of uh, credibility for what he did. Yeah. He's yeah, probably was- like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm worth a couple, I'm worth like a hundred million dollars now that we dumped all that money into <laughs> Ukraine and I'm getting some of it. So I, you know, I, I don't really need this job anymore. I'm out of here, you know? Right. Well, I'm just going to yeah. go on Fox. Yeah, well, that could be. I'm sure he has quite a few other offers. He's very articulate and he's uh, rather statesman looking. But there's also the idea that when he goes home, he gets to a point who takes his position. So if there's someone that he appoints, even just for a year, when they go on the ballot, they can now say they are an incumbent because they they're an appointed incumbent. So there might be some sort of political behind the scenes, hands shaking, wink, wink. I'll help you out uh, because I've got uh, other fish to fry. And uh, so we'll see, won't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We will see. So does that was his term run? His term wasn't going to run out in 2024, was it? Yeah, they're all two-year, two-year terms. Okay, mm-hmm. boy, constantly on the campaign trail, I would think. Yeah, it's a tough job. It is. I mean, that's it. why so many of them use lobbyists. It's set up to be uh, where those that l- use lobbyists. I mean, they they can sit back and uh, 
go to their cocktail parties, whereas those that are not using the high dollar lobbyists, they're busting it on the phone banks every weekend and saying, hey, I'm coming up again for election. I know Kevin Kiley is probably doing that in, as our California representative, but um, it, it is not an easy job every two years to get elected. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Gates himself yeah. was saying he's not sold out and he has to, he has to fundraise from small donations well, you know, as well. What I think should happen is that they should have, you know, they should serve for four years and they only get two terms, just like the president. You can serve for four years and you only get two terms. Then you go back to being, you know, selling whiskey or whatever else you did before. Okay. So that's, and it should be the same for the president. It should be same for the Congress. There should be term limits for how long you can serve. But you should it should be longer so they spend more time getting stuff done rather than trying to get re, re you know reelected, and then they you know I, I just think that should be all the same. It should be just four, four years you're there, and then you get one more chance at it, and that's it. And you're not there for forty seven years in yeah. government, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Definitely. I think that's you know, what the, I think of, that's what the heart of the founding fathers was. It was that you know, and, the, and George Washington demonstrated that you know, get in, serve for a while. Don't don't make it all about you. Get in. You're serving and you're leaving. This is not you're not here to make money. You're here to serve and be and go. You know. So yeah, definitely. You know, speaking of uh, serving in terms and stuff like that, you know, there's been talk. Axios did a an article on Trump's dream team, who who President Trump may choose as a, a VP, and there are a lot of names that have been floated uh, by him in some speeches and stuff. Um, one of the ones he was considering, I don't know a DJ Vance, I'm not sure who he is, but, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and yeah. Carrie Lake, they yeah. were two, um, that were floated around. I think both of them would be good. Uh, out of those two, ben I would Carson. say Carrie Lake, uh, would be really good. Um, Tucker Carlson was actually Melena Trump is advocating for him to pick a Tucker Carlson. And I just think, man, could you imagine having somebody so eloquent with his speaking or at least sharp, um, you know, in a debate against uh, Camilla Harris? Uh, that would just be or Kamala, you know, just he would just tear her pieces. Um, oh, I would love to see a VP uh, debate between the two. Uh, that would be incredible because uh, Tucker, I don't know how you could out talk him at all. He's he's so sharp. So. Here's a guy they should put on, on his team. Vivek Ranswamy should be definitely on Trump's team somewhere because it feels like he probably is. It sounds <laughs> like <laughs> I, I think he is. I mean, I, I, if he's if, if he was planted by Trump, brilliant, because he doesn't have to get you know, do the debates. You know, like, and Vivek gets to attack all of the all the points that matter for him. Um, although apparently one point, I don't know if you guys know, saw this. Well, you know, Chris, apparently at one point there was one question on that GOP debate that got like somehow weirdly censored for eight minutes on <laughs> Operation Warp Speed. Right. What happened there? Yeah, I mean, it was the second to last question and they were um, it was quite a, a debate. It was uh, um fisticuffs they were they were um going after one another Ron DeSantis was going after Nikki Haley and she was going after Vivek and Vivek was going after everybody and um Chris 
Christy uh, was defending Nikki Haley at one point, and and uh, then um, I mean, he just he got. It was an interesting debate, but the second to last question was regarding COVID vaccines. And Megan uh, Kelly, she was uh, the the moderator, and she started to ask the question of regarding COVID vaccines and Operation Warp Speed, um, do you think uh, Donald Trump did the right thing? And uh, immediately the screen froze. And then it went black, almost like the the cameras were cut off. And then this old school sign came up that said, we'll be right back. And uh, that notice came on and it stayed for quite a while. And then they cut to five minutes of nonstop commercials. And the break lasted more than eight minutes. And um and then they came on and uh, they had some fluffy little question about who is your favorite president in all of history? Uh, and that was the end of the debate. And so the people watching had no idea that uh, the question had, um, had, hadn't been finished. It was uh, basically Kelly asked the vaccine program that protected the drug companies from virtually all the lawsuits over vaccine injuries um, basically it, it's a very hard program, the one that they've compensated to get, to get into now. And, uh, she explained that, uh, the government that has the compensation program has 12,000 claims, 10% have been decided upon, but only eight were actually paid out. And in this forum that the government set up to question about vaccine injuries, you are not allowed counsel, you are not allowed hearings, and you have no appeal process. And then she asked, um, uh, do you think, Mr. Trump says he's proud of uh, Operation Warp Speed, do you think he should be? And so we didn't ever hear any of the answers if we were watching on the mainstream media, which was the Fox uh, media. Brought to you by, you Pfizer. by Pfizer. Brought to you by <laughs> Pfizer. Oh like, my have you seen those clips? Like a hundred times yes. brought to you by it's... Pfizer. Tonight's show brought to you by Pfizer. So I want to play that clip real quick because you, you, you described it really well, but it's really powerful. Let's watch this was the continuation of what they tried to cover up. The and private industry developed the COVID vaccine in record time. The program protected the drug companies from virtually all lawsuits over vaccine injuries. The government has a program to compensate for such harm, but critics say it is a black hole of bureaucracy. 12,000 claims filed, 10% decided, only eight payouts so far, in a forum with no right to counsel, no hearings, no appeals. Mr. Trump says he's very proud of warp speed. Should he be? Well, this question specifically on liability goes back to actually Reagan. And Reagan is a president who I admire. Many of us do. I think that reviving that spirit is in many ways going to be good for this country in so many ways. But one of the areas where he erred was this special form of lobbying to say that one kind of manufacturer, a vaccine manufacturer, cannot be sued for their product liability. So I have pledged it is part of my legislative agenda. We will repeal that, just like we will repeal every other form of crony capitalism. People who have been harmed by those vaccines deserve accountability. They cannot be forgotten Americans. And I think one of the top lessons we learned from that COVID pandemic 
is that free speech in this country is most important in those alleged times of emergency. If we had been allowed to openly debate the merits of those vaccines, they would have been never mandated in the way that they were. And in general, I don't think that we should want capitalism and democracy to share the same bed anymore. It's time for a clean divorce. Let companies be companies, but I don't like the crony capitalism. This dates back a long time in both parties. And I think that we need to end the lobbying. And I personally believe that if you have been working in the government, you should not lobby that government for 10 years. If you have been a government elected official doing deals with companies, be they Boeing or be they pharmaceutical companies, you should not join the board of that company for 10 years after. The former chairman of the FDA, the leader commissioner of the FDA, ended up on the board of Pfizer. Nikki Haley did deals with Boeing, ends up on the board of Boeing. I don't care if it's a Republican or a Democrat. We need some basic principles that end the corruption in government. That's how we got the health insurance exemptions. That's how we got the pharmaceutical product liability okay, exemptions. We end the corruption. We need- Isn't that great? Absolutely. Most Absolutely. people didn't roll. see that answer. Uh-uh. Eight yeah. minutes of broken airtime. That's a hard to hard to keep you off when you're being sponsored. That's very expensive. So Obviously, yeah. someone said, shut that thing down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Well, you know, here's some of the ones that people did see. Uh, this one stood out. Uh, this one was good. I think the real enemy is not Donald Trump. It's not even Joe Biden. It is the deep state that at least Donald Trump attempted to take on. And if you want somebody who's going to speak truth to power, then vote for somebody who's going to speak the truth to you. Why am I the only person on the stage, at least, who can say that January 6th now does look like it was an inside job, that the government lied to us for 20 years about Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11, that the great replacement theory is not some grand right-wing conspiracy theory, but a basic statement of the Democratic Party's platform, that the 2020 election was indeed stolen by big tech, that the 2016 election, the one that Trump won for sure, was also one that was stolen from him by the national security establishment (laughs) that actually put up the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that they knew was false. There's a reason why I'm the only person on the stage who can say these things. That's what it's going to take, not people who were licking his boots one time and now Monday morning quarterbacking and criticizing when it's convenient. Wow. Yeah, a lot of booms there. I mean, he truth bombs, just boom, boom, boom. Uh, That was just... Very, That's, very powerful. Yeah, it was. Lawyer. It was one thing after another. It was all the things that you know we, we were talking about, and he's saying it to the general public. I could see where people are waking up because they're, so someone else is saying it, and yeah. all of a sudden it's just like wow. And he didn't you know. say vote for me. He in both those uh, examples that? he used Trump as the the solutionary, um, and if if there's. Someone that will bring you the truth, vote for them. Uh, so that was really interesting. Yeah. Right to use the term crony capitalism. So, I mean, that's a really good dig. And then he looks right at Nikki Haley when he's referring to um, you shouldn't be able to um, receive lobbyists and then end up on the board of directors of Boeing like um, Nikki did. And he went in and uh, during the uh, d- debate, he said, when you left the UN, Nikki, you were bankrupt. So she, he'd seen her financial records. And by the time you left, um, le- the, the left Boeing and you started doing the speech circuit, you are a multimillionaire. 
And so yes. I mean, he, he called her out. And did you hear the term that he used? Um, alleged uh, times of emergencies. It was yes. alleged. It wasn't times of emergencies. It was alleged times of emergencies. We shouldn't be um, shutting this nation down. So, yeah. and, you know, and it was, what, what was interesting is CNN's take on that clip that I just played uh, they, and they challenged him just like they challenged Trump. I mean, it was just uh, listen to this real quick. Let's just take two of those. Let's start okay. with January 6th. Sure. There is no evidence that it is an inside job. It was a fringe conspiracy theory that the Trump-appointed FBI director, Christopher Wray, has said explicitly over and over is just not true. So let me, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to address it. I was an anti-woke crusader leaving the business world. And if you had asked me three years ago, is there some chance January 6th is an inside job? I would have said that was crazy talk. I would say looking at the facts of the video footage that have come out, Dana, it is shocking that you still haven't gotten a clear answer of how many federal agents were in the field that day. Look at now the video footage of actually throwing explosives and rubber bullets into what was a peaceful crowd, then releasing to the public what came in response to that. But now look at the video footage that was released. And I'm glad we're talking about it because viewers deserve to look at that footage. Pa Capitol Police literally letting people in who were then now prosecuted, some of whom have gone on to commit suicide because of what the government's doing. Mm -hmm. That's a case of entrapment. And I think the government has not been transparent about this, which is why I then brought up another case where the government, now 20 years later, with declassified documents, tells us that they lied to us at the time. And so I do think we have a government that's people. consistently lied to its people. An inside job suggests that everybody was who, who attacked the Capitol was well, part of say that. I didn't say that, but I was saying that there is case, there's entrapment going on. There's entrapment going on, and this looks like a case of entrapment. And if you look at even over what the last What do you mean day, by entrapment? Entrapment means that the police no. goaded people to do something otherwise than they otherwise wouldn't have done, and then they arrest them for actually doing it. And you, you saw don't that, think and, it was and, actually the former president who let's, was let's, trying well, I think to that was the media narrative. Now, look at actually we hard so I, I I don't want to play yeah. the rest of it. It's a bit about yeah. the same thing. But you know what she's doing? She's arguing with him. Mm -hmm. She's trying to push yeah. her point. She's not interviewing. She, and and no. she brings it back to the former president. Well, you know, the former president, don't you think he's responsible? She has a narrative. It's as clear as day. She has a narrative. And she didn't like what he was saying. And I like that what halo said of those was, Vivek's uh, what head she right there. Said is there's, there's a lot of Americans <laughs> that think this. This is what the media has said. And let him continue to talk rather than tell refute the points he's making mm -hmm. like straight up mm -hmm. because her she's wrong like she's wrong and everything he's saying is correct like the the evidence shows that the media was corrupt mm -hmm. yeah nikki is corrupt the media is corrupt the, the corruption's coming out that, that this is one of the things i think you said chris there's a shift happening the, mm -hmm. we're starting to see the woke agenda like self-destruct and the corruption is coming out. And this is how it works over time. If you give it enough time, the truth will come out. And those people who have done everything they could to shut down debate because debate brings the truth to the top. Yep. They've shut down debate. They've shut down debate about COVID, shut down debate about uh, January 6th, shut down debate about the 9-11. The, the Stop people from having a difference of opinion and only believe what media tells you to believe. He is pointing that out. That's what Trump has been pointing out. Mm -hmm. That is what needs to be changed, that people need to question the narrative. And that's why we started Wake the Bear. And we were going to call it question the narrative right. because people are not thinking. When everybody's thinking the same, no, some people aren't thinking. That's the problem.
Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, what I, I loved um, is he, he just quickly brought in um, data points. I mean, they're all data points. There's very, they're um, truth. You can look it up. It's open source. And with, with this uh, sign that he, he held up, he was talking to Nikki Haley about her form of support that uh, right now, her biggest donations are coming from Wall Street and Chinese investors. And so she might be acting like she's a conservative, but she has uh, left-wing um, investments. Larry Fink is her biggest investor right now, CEO of BlackRock. And so, of course, she has some some motivation. Um, that's where they get the hooks in, that when he needs the favor given back, wink, wink, um, mm -hmm. that uh, she's going to have to pay to play, uh, or she, I'm sure he's got something on her. So at any w w rate, um, she is not uh, a person who who is cleanly a conservative, and uh, he was calling her out. She's a neocon. Absolutely. She's a neocon. Here's here's a guy that should be actually on on the FBI's most wanted list. This guy right here firing smoke bombs and the other guy throwing uh, uh these are smash bang grenades. These are basically grenades. And the concussion value alone can kill people. Throwing him into a crowd that isn't actually attacking. Uh, you know, and she says, "Oh well." She was questioning him. Oh well, you, you, there was a coordinated effort. He's like, "No, I didn't say that. I didn't say it's like a, a complete." There's some people that don't know what's going on, but there's definitely elements of entrapment going on, and that's mm -hmm. what happens. Is you know, Nancy Pelosi can do this. Well, he's I didn't do it. He did it. And 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 the reality is, is like Trump said. Listen, I'll bring in ten to fifteen thousand National Guard to support your team that day, so that you have all the support you need, so nothing bad can happen. And they said no. They denied him. But they're going to yeah. say that Trump is the reason that it happened, even though he was mm -hmm. going to bring in fifteen thousand National Guard to support their team. And then this, it, there was there was definitely. 10 different bad things going on from the other side, from the, from the law enforcement side that helped create the narrative that they wanted, which is Trump, bad hate MAGA yep. domestic terrorists. Yep. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. And Trump told the, uh, at the end of his speech, you know, go peacefully. And, uh, you know, that was one thing. And then also he tweeted saying, go home, leave and, uh, leave that capital, you know, while they were there. And that tweet got taken down. So mm -hmm. it was definitely an inside job. I mean, you could see it. Well, yeah, because if his tweet is still up, then the average person can go to his his site and see, oh, the last thing he posted was go home peacefully. Well, yeah. what do you it, it destroys yeah. the narrative? It does. Yeah. It does, definitely. Yeah, there's such a uh Trump de derangement syndrome. I mean, that that's uh, partly uh Chris Christie, that's why he was running is he so hates Trump. He did. He wanted to be uh, um, on the Republican candidacy uh, because, not because he wanted to be president, because he hated Trump. And um, one of the things about MAGA, you know, make America great again, uh, why so many fail to understand that MAGA isn't Trump. It isn't Donald Trump. MAGA is about America. And we, the people, we're, we're searching for someone who is willing to fight the corruption and preserve the freedom, like Vivek said, 
uh, who is going to stand up against this uh, cabal deep state? And we found Donald John Trump. And so far, he's our voice. And MAGA is a revolution against corruption. And that's why uh, there's syndromes, <laughs> derangement syndromes from the left. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Vivek did an incredible job um, yeah. just exposing these people. You know, and, and Nikki was definitely one of the ones in the crosshairs. Uh, here's one about the Ukraine war, you know, uh, that I thought was really powerful. So foreign policy experience is not the same as foreign policy wisdom. I want everybody at home to know that I was the first person to say we need a reasonable peace deal in Ukraine. Now a lot of the neocons are quietly coming along to that position with the exceptions of Nikki Haley and Joe Biden, who still support this, what I believe is pointless war in Ukraine. And I think those with foreign policy experience, one thing that Joe Biden and Nikki Haley have in common is that neither of them could even state for you three provinces in Eastern Ukraine that they want to send our troops to actually fight for. Look at that. This is what I want people to understand. These people have, I mean, she has no idea what the hell the names of those provinces are, but she wants to send our sons and daughters and our troops and our military equipment to go fight it. So reject this myth that they've been selling you, that somebody had a cup of coffee stint at the UN and then makes eight million bucks after, has real foreign policy experience. It takes an outsider to see this through. Look at the blank expression. She doesn't know the names of the provinces that she wants to actually fight for. And there's a puppet right there. So, yeah. Yeah, she had somebody in the crowd that every time Vivek came against her, they started booing. So uh, there were definitely some Nikki Haley um, uh, paid, paid people in the crowd to, to make a little ruckus. But the Nikki Nouse <laughs> Club. I mean, I, I felt sorry for her because I, I, uh, geography was not my best subject. Of course, I, I wasn't uh, in the UN and I um, am not running as a presidential candidate, but you could right. see her little Rolodex going as fast as it could, like Ukraine, Ukraine. I know yeah, what there is it? What is it? In there. <laughs> No, but we do high, we do try to hold leaders to a higher uh, yeah. level. They, you know, I want one that's smarter than me. Definitely. Okay. I, want, I mean, well, I want it's one not, It's not just knowing the, you know, the fact is that most Americans don't even know where Ukraine was until this war began. And, and yeah. most people don't know anything about the background. They just put up your blue and yellow flag and 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 shout, "I'm I'm a good person because I'm supporting democracy." Which is not, you know, Ukraine's not a democracy. They suspended the the, the voting there. They're persecuting. You know, yeah. This guy Zelensky is persecuting church leaders yeah. and anybody who speaks out. And then Twitter yesterday, Elon Musk comes out with this guy and says, "Do you guys know that there's a guy being American citizen?" journalist in ukraine right now being tortured by nazis in jail and he and he and he posted all about it lorenzo i think is his name and he, it's like elon musk just posted this just yesterday and no one knows because the media is not telling us any of the stories or what's going on over there no one knows who the really the, the actors are they're going on all you know you're just told russia bad you know ukraine good you're like no it's a little bit more nuanced than that yeah, and yeah. he might be even down in Florida for the winter. Who knows? He's got a very expensive house, millions and millions of dollars worth of house in Florida down in uh, that Vero area. Beach, right? Yeah. I, 
Yeah, Vero. Okay, I you know I I saw the clip on that where it said he's going to Vero with this guy, and I'm like Vero, where's that? It's but his Vero house. Yeah, that would be. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's on his way out. Uh, they're already talking yeah. about that. Uh, yeah, they're very upset with uh, the way he's done this war. And, uh, you know, they've lost so many people, you know, and I I'm so glad for, uh, mm. you know, people like Elon Musk that have really uh, exposed things. You know, there's a little clip I just wanted uh, to play one more. And that's all I have. Uh, and that was regarding the um, the interview with Charlie Kirk. And so let me just I have it loaded up. But he talks about the importance of, of of some of the things that Elon has done and and stuff. So it will will accept. So I don't think he's going to save us. I don't think Elon Musk is perfect. I just think in the role he's entered as bringing back free speech and innovating America and supercharging technology, we should embrace all the good things he's doing. Not throw out the baby with the bathwater because Jesus said, "Judge a tree by its fruits." and Without Elon Musk and what he's done, we would be in a lot of trouble right now. So he has really blown open the enemy gates for us. And so I'm very thankful to God for Elon Musk. And I see him coming way over to our side. I'm going to leave it at that because I've talked to very well-known people, very well-known talk show hosts, a lot about Elon Musk the last two years. And, and I had, I'm not going to get into inside stuff I was told, even though I was, it wasn't even told off record. I'm just not going to do it. But I, I was told by a very well-known talk show host, very good friends with him here in Austin, People could probably imagine who. He said, listen, Elon Musk, he sounds like you now and is genuinely pissed and in a rage and now is against the globalists because they're anti-human expansion and they want to depopulate people. And Musk has got 11 kids and understands we need 2.1 kids for every family at least for just replacement level. So I think he's coming over to us. And I think if we continue to bring him towards us with open arms, he will be ours. Yeah. And by I just thought that was interesting, you know, just genuinely. Um, and, and he had a lot of other things to say about Elon Musk as well. You know, Elon Musk is a person that can see the wave of things and he'll ride that wave. You know, it, yeah. even though he may not totally be the green guy, he sees the power of the electric car market. And what's he do? He invests in it and makes one that's better than what was being put out there. And so he sees that wave and he'll ride it. Mm -hmm. And what he's saying, what uh, Alex Jones is saying is there is a wave now that is happening where people are saying, you know what? I don't want to be a globalist. I want freedom. And people around the world are waking up. And Elon Musk is seeing that and saying, you know, I want to be on that wave as well because I'm a pro-family, you know, or pro-population, uh, pro-human. And, and so that's what uh, he's doing. He's, he's kind of riding that wave and, and he'll, he'll support it. So I thought that was really good. Yeah. So yeah. That's really good. Well, okay. So here's a couple more wins because I think, like you said, Chris, there's a shift going on. Um, the University of Pennsylvania's president, after her anti-Semitism testimony, has Ooh. now resigned from her position. So that's a huge win that's going on. And I think win. the other one is Harvard. The Harvard president is being is being told to step down or is being told to quit. And the, the Harvard is meeting. I think it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. Their board's meeting to whether to fire her. So these people, it's very interesting. What's happening is that these the left. So the, the Jewish population has embraced the leftist positions all the way through. And now they're realizing that the left will turn on them like a dime. Mm -hmm. And before Jewish genocide, immediately, mm -hmm. that once something like this thing went down with Hamas. So it, it's a, it, I think we're also going to see a large turn 
of the Israeli population in America, that voting group is now going to become much more conservative because they've basically been thrust into the arms of conservatives because we're the ones that said, it doesn't matter what race or background you are. You still shouldn't be committing, trying to commit suicide, you know, genocide on populations that don't agree with you. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're seeing a shift in, and I, and I was watching clips the other day. Um, uh, someone was going around Brooklyn and they were interviewing, you know, black and white and Hispanic and Asian and saying, well, who are you going to vote for? Who are you vote for? And they're all Trump, 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 Trump. But things were better under him. We were making money under him. I was better off. There. And it's like, this is streets of Brooklyn. So the average person, yeah. uh, they can't, they can't hold it down anymore that the, yeah. there's a, there's an explosion going on of people that are saying, listen, it was better and we're seeing it. Yeah. And it's, it's important that, um, that these universities are accountable for what the, the presidents who represent them when they couldn't answer that simple question at the congressional hearing that said, uh, do you think that calling for the genocide of Jews is a cause for a violation of institutional code of conduct? And we heard that, um, I mean, it was heartbreaking to hear it. It was embarrassing to hear it. It was nauseating to hear it. And so I think yeah. people are sick of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you're absolutely right. And it's just, it's, it's, it's evil. And people are not well, like they've, they've lost their brains. They don't know what a man or a woman is. They don't know what good or evil is. They cannot say rape and genocide is bad because they've aligned themselves politically with a certain group. And that's like, you know, they, they say, you know, consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. Like, Oh, I've got to be consistent with my tribalism, but I can't like call it out because then it'll show how it's all got to fall basically. Yeah. The elites are like Dr. Frankenstein and they have created a monster. And so that monster will turn on them just like that story. You know, and that's exactly what has happened. These elites said, hey, let's, you know, let's have these ideologies. And the next thing you know, it's turned on them. Uh, not that the elites are the, the Jews, you know, they, they definitely play a part, but there's many. But those elites uh, will use these people, uh, you know, the Antifas and all that stuff. And they could care less about them, you know, but they, they use them for their means. And uh, now it's not so convenient. So yeah. very interesting. What else went on? Got so a list of things there. Well, I got I got one that I want to talk about. Then we can tidy up the the, the loose ends. But there's um, a nurse that is speaking out for um, Children's Health Defense. Just showed her, and I want to play a short clip of her sharing her testimony about the protocols under COVID. And and we're gonna go into COVID a bunch more next week. So I just want to yep. encourage everybody to come watch next week. Um, we actually are gonna have a guy named Leon Canero that's gonna be on. He wrote a book on the unfortunate truth about the vaccines and uh, exposing vaccine orthodoxy. He's actually a former educator and sp with special needs children. And he saw he's seen the link between the growth in the vaccine agenda and kids that are getting autism and having special needs. And there, he's, he says, I definitely have seen the link. And then he went ahead and did a bunch of tons of research on it. So we're going to have Leon on mm. the show next week, Leon Canaro. A good guy. Um, I like him a lot. I'm, I'm I'm interested to see how he'll what he'll come up with and how what he'll share about vaccine orthodoxy. But this I want to kind of get clo get close to our end here with this a nurse who's actually suing the um, the uh, health providers that she worked for. Yes, my name is Gail McRae. 
and uh, you were a nurse during COVID. I was. So which area are we going to start at? Um, why don't you just start telling us what you saw as a nurse? You've heard a lot of these hospital protocol yes. killings, well, as we call them. I think um, one of the important things about my situation is that I was working in the Bay Area of California, where we had one of the most compliant populations in the country. Uh, so it, we were compliant with not just the lockdowns and uh, the masking, but also the COVID injections. Uh, so in my community, when COVID was first announced and they locked down the hospitals and they stopped the elective surgeries, uh, our hospital completely emptied out. And this was one of the this was when I really first saw that we were being lied to, because the public was being told in the news that the hospitals were full and overwhelmed and they weren't. Uh, I had colleagues all over the state of California who worked in units all over the hospital in the acute care setting and not once during that first year of COVID in 2020 and the winter of 2021 were our hospitals overwhelmed. Um, I would say there was uh, during the, the winter of 2020 and 2021 uh, when this happens every year. People come in with the flu and the hospitals fill. It happens every year. It's been doing that for 12, the whole 12 years I've been working in the acute care setting. So it was not unusual. Uh, we were not overwhelmed and the public was being lied to. So that really opened my eyes to uh, the fact that there were things going on that shouldn't have been going on. Uh, and then uh, with the rollout of the isolations, they also started um, the COVID protocols. And uh, I didn't notice right away the harm of these protocols until uh, I had to tell family members that they couldn't come to the bedside of their dying loved ones. That uh, to me was a crime against humanity and a violation of my oath that I knew right away should not have been happening. Uh, we isolate people in prison. We put them in the brig when they've done something wrong to torture them. And that's what I felt like I was being forced to do when I had to tell my patient's family members when they couldn't come into the hospital to be near their dying loved ones. So um, that was those small kinds of violations that I was recognizing, I think really helped me uh, accept that I needed to more critically analyze what I was being told to do and what was happening around me in the hospital. So after going through those two things at the beginning of the COVID lockdowns, it really helped me to stop and think when I was being told to do things like the next thing was the administration of uh, remdesivir. Uh, this was an experimental use authorization medication. It was the only drug that we were allowed to administer to patients who were hospitalized with COVID. And it was an antiviral. And I'd been taught in my undergrad, my bachelor's degree program for nursing, that you do not administer an antiviral uh, more than 24 to 48 hours post-symptom onset for a viral infection. And so uh, this medication was being given to patients who were hospitalized with COVID 
usually not until between 10 and 12 days post-symptom onset. So I would ask my colleagues, why are we giving this medication? The administrators, my hospital, why are we doing this? And their eyes would glaze over. And I would say to them, we have evidence showing that the administration of antivirals more than two days post-symptom onset has causes more harm than good. The risk-benefit analysis does not correlate. And in addition to that, this was an experimental use product. And I knew that each one of those doses was over $3,000. So. Yeah. So she goes on further. And she, boom, boom, boom. Money. Don't follow the science. Funny them. Follow the money and the media, the lying media. She says, you know, the, we were never overwhelmed. The, the, the hospitals were empty. And we had people saying that from the very beginning. What are you talking about? I'm going right here. There's no cars in the parking lot. And there's nobody in there. How is it overwhelmed? We were being lied to, lied to, lied to. And she is suing the healthcare providers now for how she was treated. She was fired. She was kicked out um, because she was would, wouldn't administer these drugs and she wouldn't continue to do what they were demanding she do. Oh, that's good. More and more, uh, it's going to come out. You know, we're seeing it and it's going to be seen in the courts. That's where it's really going to ring loud and clear. Uh, so uh, I consider that just a victory already. Just the fact that it's getting, um, getting visibility. So good week. A lot of people, a lot of people are waking up. So good. Yep. Well, um, Chris is muted. I can't hear you. Yeah, I can't somehow. hear you. Unmute there, Chris. Oh, oh okay. she must have. There. Sorry, there you go. Happy Hanukkah to all our Jewish yeah. friends. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. And we yeah. will see you next week. On yeah, week next week with video. our guest. Next week Good with night. our guest speaker. God bless. Good night. <laughs>